Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. And in this session, we're going to be chatting with Eden Sunshine. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, and author, and the creator of the Level 7 System, which is a systematic approach for business development. Now, I thought he was going to be a perfect fit for this summit because that's what he does. He helps people systemize their business. He helps make their business scalable, growth-focused, and also keep their high-performing business culture. He's been doing it for over 17 years and I was actually introduced through to him from a mutual client of ours, a, a client of System Hub and also a client of his, Calvin Cummings from Belbridge. And Calvin had said, oh, look, you really should chat with Eden. And we've already had a couple of phone calls and it's very clear that he gets this at a deep level. So very excited to hear what he's going to share for, for this particular session. So Eden, just like to welcome you to the Business Systems Summit. Thanks, David. I'm so excited to be here. Actually, it's it's, it's neat to, to meet and work with people that are like-minded and appreciate this idea of systemizing their business as a really fundamental part of how to grow and scale a business. So uh, it's it's great that we've got this group of people coming together to talk about it, and I'm just thrilled to be able to be part of it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shaping up really well, and I, you're going to tackle something is quite hard for a lot of businesses to implement once they actually start down this process of business systemization. It's how do you keep your team accountable and enthusiastic and engaged in this right. process? Yeah. And so what I'll do, I'll, I'll hand over to you and let you drive from here. And if it's all right with you, I'll just sort of chime in if I've got any questions as we go. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm glad to be here, excited to have this group listening. Today, I'm going to be talking about creating a culture of accountability really how to maximize employee accountability, enthusiasm, and engagement, and um, create a culture of follow-through in a systems-driven business. First thing I always like to address, though, is uh, that always comes to people's mind is, yes, Eden Sunshine really is my name, and I know you're probably wondering what in the world were my, my parents thinking when they came up with that. So I wish I could come up with it on my own, but, you know, it's kind of funny. Over the years, I've had people contact me after years of being disconnected and say, you know, hey, I remember seeing you talk at a thing years ago, and I always remembered your name. You know, you're one of the names that comes up around the party conversations of unusual names. So that really is my name, Eden Sunshine. Uh, if, if we ever get to know each other, I'll give you some, you know, uh, if you're listening today, I can give you the whole backstory on that. So as Dave said, I have been helping businesses become systems driven for over 17 years. And I was actually a really frustrated business owner myself before I got into this, helping companies you know, understand the systemization process and how to become better leaders and managers. And uh, like I said, I was kind of a frustrated business owner coming into this. And when I sold my company, I started to ask myself the question, you know, why do so many businesses really struggle? And there's got to be like some commonality. I know in, in Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, he talks about the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. And he talks about the entrepreneurial seizure and kind of suggests that most business owners are technicians that, that become business owners. But And as much as that's very true for a lot of people, I have found that it's not universally true. What I have found to be true, and when I share this with people, most people fully agree that the biggest challenge that most business owners have when it comes to growing a business has 
It doesn't have anything to do with how smart they are, what their education is, uh, what their previous success, uh, how persistent and motivated and hardworking they are. All of those factors taken out of the equation really don't matter. What the biggest challenge is, is most of them are winging it. And they, they get up in the morning, and I know, Dave, when you and I talked about this, you know, you totally agreed. It's like they get up, and, and there's really no process for how to grow a business. So there's lots of processes on, on how to hire people and how to market and how to sell or how to system, you know, systems for all those things. But is there a system for how to develop a business? And so as a result of this realization that I had 17 years ago, I said, you know, what if we created a system? on how to create a business. And so that's where the level seven methodology and this you know, system that I've created. And so, so I'm the creator of this business development methodology that we call the level seven system, which is all about you know, helping a business become systems driven and also create great cultures within them. So my ultimate goal is not very much different than yours, Dave, and that is you know, to help business owners and the people within those organizations to have more life, to have more choices, have more fun when it comes to building and running a business. So that's a little background on me. What I'm going to talk about today, a few things. Number one, the biggest mistake that businesses make when becoming systems driven. What constitutes a really great system? I want to kind of set that as a little bit of foundation and then talk about what accountability really means to a business and how to create a culture of follow through and trust within an organization and also give you very, some, some very specific mechanics of highly accountable business cultures. And then I have a special bonus or something I want to offer you at the end. So I'm going to encourage you to stay uh, to the end of our conversation today. Dave and I talked a little bit about something that I'm going to be rolling out. And he says, oh, yeah, you definitely want to talk to them about that, share uh, that with them today. So those are what we're going to cover. So let's talk about the biggest mistakes that business make. And by the way, I would encourage you to take some notes. I've often been described as when I do presentations, getting so much information, it's almost like trying to take a drink from a fire hose. And so I'm going to point out some things that I think you ought to really specifically write down, but uh, take some time and write some stuff down. Because like I said, I'm going to give you some very actionable ideas um, on how to apply some of the stuff we're talking about. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that businesses make when systemizing? And I wanted to share just kind of a quick story to, to encapsulate one of the big problems. About two years ago, I was doing a presentation for a group, and one of the guys, we were talking about systems, and, and one of the guy kind of guys raised his hand, and he says, oh, yeah, we've been systemizing our business for, we've been bought into this whole systems things for, for six years. And I said, oh, that's fabulous. So tell, you know, we got to an, in a conversation with him in the context of this presentation. And basically what he did is he went through the process of documenting his systems six years ago. And I asked him this question. I said, so how's it going now? You documented your system six years ago. How are the systems working for you now? And he kind of was quiet for a moment. He said, well, to be honest with you, our systems, these documents that we created have been sitting on a shelf for the last six years collecting dust. So as, as, as excited as he was when he heard about creating systems, and a lot of people jump on that idea of let's create systems and go, you know, that sounds like a wonderful way to scale a business and that's what franchises do and, and any organization wants to grow and scale and become consistent and predictable and realize the opportunities that come with that, they go, hey, let's go ahead and document our systems. But they end up not being functional. And so I want to talk a little bit about or share a couple of things 
that are absolutely essential to make your business systems functional. So the first thing is you've got to make sure that the systems really work. You've got to make sure that we don't just go through the process of documenting something, but we go through the process of making sure the system itself is functional and will produce the result it's intended to. And now some of you may have heard of ISO 9000. And a few years ago, I was working with a company that was in the, um, was ISO 9000 certified. I don't know, is that a common term in Australia, ISO? Yeah, okay. So this company was ISO certified and they were involved in the aeronautics industry and aircraft engines and things like that. And I looked at some of the systems that they had created in their ISO certification and they were really not quite functional. It's like, this doesn't tell you how to do things. It doesn't tell you how to produce a result. So number one, you, the one of the mistakes that businesses make is their systems are not really functional. They're not working. Number two, which we're going to spend more time talking about today, is people are not actually using the systems. They make an assumption that, hey, we've got these things in a manual somewhere or they're online, but they're really not using and following systems. And one of the, the key things that we say in level seven is very simply this, that the key to success of a business is dependent on the quality of your systems. And if you want to improve your business, you have to be improving your systems, but the systems have to be used. They have to be something that people are utilizing. So one of the big mistakes is that they create the systems, but people haven't made the connection between, I have this document or we have these documents and these tools that we've created, and those tools are intended for their for those employees to be successful in the work that they're doing. They're just not following them at all. And then thirdly, what this business owner that uh, I had that conversation with a while back, you know, just kind of reaffirmed was that they had documented the system six years ago, but they didn't have a process in place to keep those systems being utilized and functional on a day-to-day basis. In addition to that, being innovated and improved. So if you take this rule that we have, the key to success of any business is dependent on the quality of your systems. And if you want to improve your business, you improve your systems, you must have what we call the systems development cycle in place. And the systems development cycle goes through a process of first documenting or developing your system, then evaluating those systems periodically and innovating them as needed, not just setting them on a shelf and waiting for them to break. So it's about being proactive. And many, many businesses, even some of the most advanced companies I've worked with that have gone through the process of developing systems haven't installed the systems development cycle. But once you get those three things in place, get systems that really work, get your people following them, and then have a cycle where you're continually improving those systems, your business becomes unstoppable. And it Mm -hmm. becomes one of those situations where it's very, very, it's almost impossible for your business not to fail or to fail if you are doing that and you have all of the right systems in place. So let's dig a little deeper into what is a great system anyways. Well, first of all, again, like I suggested, a lot of systems are oftentimes their information that's put on paper, but it doesn't give specific instruction. It doesn't bullet point out or number how to do what it is that you want to do in order to get the result. Think of it like a recipe. And like I said, I've seen a lot of systems over the years that companies have developed. And when I look at it, the first thing I look for is, is this system actionable? Can somebody look at that and say, okay, step one, I need to go to this place and do this thing. Step two, 
go to this, mix in the eggs or whatever it is, like a recipe. And so the system has to be well-documented and easy to follow. It also has to be tested and proven. And so, again, a lot of times when we're developing these systems, we've gone through the process of documenting them, but we really haven't tested them out. We haven't taken the time to say, if somebody follows this system, will they get a great result? So if you're developing a system for lead generation, it isn't just about documenting the steps. It's about saying, okay, now that we're doing this and we place this ad on Facebook to generate leads, is it producing that result? And are we testing it to make sure it's true? Is uh, the way we're doing fulfillment working? Is the way we're trying to maximize our cash flow, the system that we have for that, really working at doing that? Or have we outlined a system that ultimately doesn't produce the result? It's like writing a system on how to make a pecan pie, and it turns out to be upside down cake. And so you've got to absolutely make sure that those systems work. Number three, you have to make sure that the systems have been trained until the operators are proficient in using the system. What that means is, are we taking sufficient time to go through the system itself and step by step by step going through it until the person that's responsible for operating that system can actually operate it? Now, I'll tell you an interesting story about this. One of my clients a couple of years ago was in the real estate industry as a top producing realtor and Central Canada, you know, doing over a million dollars a year in commission, hired a brand new sales agent to work for him. This brand new guy didn't even have his real estate license, and they went through the process of helping him get his real estate license. And the guy was very, very motivated to be successful in the business. So my client sat down with him and he said, number one, we're a very systems-driven business, and the way we're going to ensure your success is by giving you systems that work. Number two, we're going to train you on these systems, but it's absolutely essential that you understand that when we train you on those systems, it's uh, expected of you to follow those systems. If you think you want us to spend all this time helping you be successful, but you're not going to use the tools, then you may not be a good fit for our business. And number three, we're going to train you on the systems until you are proficient, until you can demonstrate that you can actually do it. So my client took time. And this is one of the things that we often don't, that we don't do in business very well, is take the time to train people until they can get proficient. And so we expect people to self-train themselves, and they spend years or sometimes, or months or sometimes years getting to a point where they're effective at getting results. So this client of mine sat down with this sales guy, and he said, here's the three systems I want to train you on today. And he went through them in detail, and he says, now I want you to go home, and I want you to study these. Because there's some aspects of the system that you have to remember in your head, not have access to the paper. And so he says, I want you to come back tomorrow. And when you come back tomorrow, we're going to go through this. And I'm going to make sure that you understand the scripting and the bullet points you know, in this part of the system. And the guy came back and he nailed it. And this is what my client said to me. He said, by doing this, the sales agent created a, and I've never heard anybody use this term before. It was really kind of cool. He said, they, he created a reverence for the system. Like he saw the real value because they took the time to, to really emphasize the importance of operating that system. And so we've got to take the time to go through that. Fourth point is the system has to be delegated and with, some, with a level of uncertainty that says, now that you've been trained, the system is expected to be followed to a T. How do we... And, and, and we expect you to do that at all times. 
So that's what we need. That's what makes up a great system. So let's talk about the formula, the systemized business formula real quickly. So there's actually some very, very simple steps to this. Number one, you've got to have uh, create great high-performing systems. You've got to create systems that work. Number two, you've got to have a culture of follow-through and trust. And number three, you've got to integrate the systems development cycle in order to create this scalable, growing, and high-performing business. So what does accountability really mean? And this is really the nuts and bolts of why I think I'm here today, Dave. But I want to make sure that for those that have been participating in the conference or the summit so far, that they can take away some ideas on what they really need to do to create great systems in the business. But like I said, without good accountability, then the greatest systems in the world are not going to mean anything to your business. So what does accountability really mean? Accountability is about creating trust and certainty. Now, as a business owner, here's what I've discovered over 17 years. There's only really two things that we need to trust in a business. We need to trust that our systems work. So if I knew that I do A plus B is going to equal X amount of new leads, or if I execute this system for hiring and recruiting, we're going to uh, attract and identify and screen the best possible candidates for our business, people that are going to be the best producers and so on and so forth. Or if we implement this employee mentoring and development program that we're going to help elevate the level of performance. Or if we do a Facebook campaign, we're going to get X amount of leads from that. So we need to trust that our systems work because if we do that, then we can trust our business. But at the same time, we also have to trust that our people are going to follow the systems. So accountability is not about uh, micromanaging, as I'll talk about in a moment. It's about establishing an environment of trust where I can say, Dave, here's a system I want you to follow. And Dave says, I will follow it. Not only do I need to trust the system, but I need to trust that Dave's going to follow it. So that's what accountability is all about. It's about recognizing that all commitments matter in a business. And that means that what that means is this, that a business is an integrated sum of a whole bunch of parts of things that come together. And sometimes we look at the business and we say, well, this part of the business seems to be more important than this other part of the business. Like our sales is more important than how we answer the telephones or our production of our product or service is more important about how well we collect our money. And you really can't do that because, for example, I had a client a number of years ago that had a great sales model. They were doing really, really well with that. That great fulfillment holding on to their customers, but the gal that was answering the telephone was terrible. I mean, people would call and I mean, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they hung up just because of the way she answered the phone. So they had all these wonderful things happening in the business. And this one thing, this first impression that was happening wasn't being facilitated well. And so that in itself is a system. How do we answer their phones? And so we created positive first impression and a professional impression. So we need to understand that all things matter within a business and all commitments matter. So I can't say, well, I'll do this thing consistently, but not this. And so accountability creates an environment that whatever commitments are being made are going to be followed 100% of the time, regardless of the commitment. If I said, Dave, I need you to, in three minutes, get up on your desk start hopping up on up and down on one leg and crowing like a chicken or clucking like a chicken 
and Dave says, yes, I'm going to do it, in three minutes from now, I should just fully expect that to happen. If he said he's going to do it. Now, he might say to me, Eden, you're out of your mind. We're doing this summit. We're doing this conference. I'm a little more professional than that. And now, he might say, well, why? And I have to give him a compelling reason. I might say, well, somebody's going to walk in your door with a $10 million check and say, there's somebody supposed to be plucking on their desk right now. And so, so it's about making sure that we've created an environment that people understand their commitments matter. The other thing that's very important that a lot of people get hung up on when they talk about facilitating compliance and accountability is getting caught up on this idea of rewards or consequences. So what some businesses will do is they try to facilitate follow through and accountability by saying, we're going to give you a reward if you do these actions, but then, or we're going to give you consequences. If you don't, if you don't turn your paperwork in time, we're going to dock you pay. Or if you do this activity, we're going to give you a bonus. But what about all the other stuff that is supposed to happen on a day-to-day basis that is equally as important? Like, are you going to say, well, every time you answer the phone, well, we're going to give you an extra dollar. That's ridiculous. So my approach to creating accountability and a culture of accountability is not grounded in rewards and consequences. It's grounded in creating a culture of integrity. It's grounded in creating an environment where we begin to trust in each other's word that if they say they're going to do something, we expect them to do it. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have an environment where we're going to give people bonuses and rewards for results and performance, but certainly not for action and activity or keeping their promises. So accountability or facilitating compliance is really about people understanding that when they're making a commitment, it's really about making a promise. I promise I will follow this system as it's been trained unless it breaks or there's some situation that doesn't enable enable me to follow it. It's really about helping people understand the impact that their behaviors can also have on the entire organization. So the gal in the example that I gave that was doing a terrible job answering the phones didn't understand that her activity or the way she was doing that was ultimately going to impact the entire business. Perhaps they were going to lose customers, which could ultimately impact the business's opportunity to grow. And then perhaps opportunities for people to grow, get more money, have more opportunities to grow in the business. So we need to understand that everything we do has an ultimate impact on the other people around it. Now, One thing about this accountability standard that I'm going to be sharing with you and the nuts and bolts of it is, is it's really not about micromanaging. This is one of the challenges that a lot of businesses have when it comes to growing is the business owner gets to a point where they can't really keep track of everything that's happening. And so that's really micromanagement. So, and this is why businesses can't scale and grow because I get to a point where I say, I can't watch what everybody's doing effectively. And so if I can't do that, I almost unconsciously keep the business from growing because I'm afraid things are going to fall apart. Or on the other side, we keep the business growing, but people start doing things the way they want them to do it. And then your performance drops and therefore your profitability and your efficiency and so on. And you lose clients and you have massive amounts of turnover and all sorts of different things happen. So we can't micromanage in a business, and we certainly can't abdicate. But what we need to do, as I suggested, is we need to create an environment where we can say, I trust in the people to do what they say they're going to do here. 
And as I said before, accountability is not about letting people selectively choose what to do or not to do based on what may or may not be convenient for them. I may not feel like turning in a report at the end of the week because either I don't understand it or it's not convenient to me or I don't deem it to be a priority. And if I don't think it's a priority, then I'm going to choose not to do it. We have to foster a culture that says it doesn't matter if you agree or understand or if it's convenient for you. If you said you're going to do it, it doesn't matter. Like I might say, hey, to one of my sons, I need you to take out the garbage. And he goes into the, the garbage can and he says, but dad, it's only half, you know, it's only half full. That's fine. I still need you to take it out. Will you take it out before five o'clock today? And he says, sure. Now, as soon as he says, sure, yes, dad, I'll do it. Then I'm going to look at that situation and say, it doesn't matter that he needs to understand why I'm asking him to take it out when it's only half full. All I'm concerned about is that he said, yes, he's going to do it. And that counting on him to do it because he said he was going to, he doesn't have to understand it. And so I'm not saying about dictating and and saying to people, well, you'll do it because I told you to. But what I am saying is that we can't allow an environment where people are going to selectively decide what they're going to do based on whether or not they understand it or it's convenient for whatever reason. We just need to know that they're going to do it. So let's talk about creating a culture of trust and follow through. The first thing is it all starts with leadership. It all starts with a conversation around the vision And some of you may have created a vision. Some of you may have not created a vision. But within your leadership, if you can start to articulate that you want to create an environment of trust and and autonomy where people can be counted on to do the work that they're expected to do and working at high levels and so on and so forth, then you can begin to foster some understanding about what you're really doing here. We're, we're talking about a values, a core value thing that you're talking about doing here in the business. And so it starts at this very, very high level. And so for business owners, there are lots of different ways that you can do this. I would never say that there's any one way because there's so many different leadership styles and structures of business. But one example that uh, one of my clients did recently is he does a team meeting every week. And he sat down and he started to talk about accountability and trust and fostering that conversation among the people and so they can begin to understand it. So when they got to a point of rolling out some formal standard for it, everybody said, I get it. I see why this is so important. Because like I've been sharing with you so far today is some of these things that we take for granted when it comes to accountability, you know, don't get dealt with. And so we start talking about that in the organization and people start to get it. So it starts with the leadership. Number two we have to begin to redefine and make accountability personal to people in the team. And everybody has experienced a situation where somebody was going to do something or said they were going to do something for them and they let them down and they didn't follow through and how disappointing that is. And so everybody's experienced that before. And if you really take them through the process, they begin to understand that what happened is there's a little breakdown in trust. So if I ask my son, using that example, would you please take out the garbage by five o'clock today? And he says, yes. And it's seven o'clock and I come back and the garbage is not taken out. Not only am I upset because he didn't keep his commitment, but deep down inside, I start to say, I don't know if I can trust him to be reliable moving forward. That's why we talk about accountability, about being trust. 
So I'll go back to him. I said, you know, you broke trust with me. I was trusting you and accounting on you to do this, and you didn't do it. Your people have to begin to understand and want your business to succeed. And so that way they will begin to be vested in this idea of building trust and accountability. And so there's different ways of doing that. One of the things that we recommend to our clients is there's an intense mentoring and employee development type of structure. We do one-on-one meetings. We talk about specifically what does success mean to an employee and how can we support you to do that. And as soon as we start having those conversations, I like to say, you know, when you demonstrate that what matters to your team members matters to you, they'll start demonstrating that what matters to you matters to them. They won't care about your vision and your goals until you demonstrate that you care about what matters to them. And so you start talking about trust and accountability, but we want you to be successful as employees and team members. Then all of a sudden they start to buy into your story. As I said, we have to help them succeed in showing them that we care. And finally, accountability and trust is really a character thing. And a lot of people miss this, and I hope you'll get this today, is that we're not talking about being dictators. We're not talking about being dominant, domineering people in our business. What we're doing is we're encouraging people to raise their standard in a world where, quite frankly, people don't operate with integrity all the time and accountability. They say they're going to do things, they don't follow through, and nobody ever holds them accountable for that. And so what you're really talking about doing is raising the standard of character of our people in our business by saying, Hey, you made an agreement, you made a promise, we expect you to keep that. So what's next? Let's talk about the mechanics of accountability. So I'm going to give you some very specific, actionable points. And one of the systems or the system that we're going to be providing you today are, or as a result of this talk, is the specific accountability standard or commitment standard that we use. So I'm going to bullet point what you need to have in developing your accountability standard. In your business. Number one, we always say that when you delegate, your delegation must be clear and thorough. So step number one, if I ask Dave, hey Dave, after we're done today, would you please send me a copy of this broadcast? And, and could you do it by five o'clock? And Dave says, yes. Then I have made a request or in a sense of delegation, and it's specific by asking him for something in a certain time frame. Proper delegation describes the result that you want, and in some cases, how you want it done, and also has an associated time frame. Now, if I said, hey, Dave, can you send me a copy of this broadcast at some point? Dave might be thinking, man, I am so busy, and seven months down the road, I might get it. But if as soon as I'm specific about the timing of it, then the delegation is done properly. So step number one, for a good accountability standard, delegation must be done thoroughly. Number two, we must be absolutely clear on what making an agreement means. And what that means is this. When I make an agreement with a team member, if they ask me to do something and I make an agreement, there's an expectation that I'm going to follow through with that. When they make an agreement to me, there's an expectation they're going to follow through with that in the time frame communicated. I don't have to go back to them and ask it. I'm asking them to do it again or check in. I'm treating them as an adult, as a responsible human, and saying, when you say you're going to do this, 
The expectation is that you're going to follow through. So in our accountability standard, it says when somebody receives a delegation and makes an agreement, it's expected that they will follow through with that commitment that they've made without being checked on. Now, let's talk about real world. The fact of the matter is there's times when we make agreements where employees say they're going to do something, they're going to follow a system, but something comes up that prevents them from being able to accomplish that task in the time frame that has been delegated. So what do we do? Most people would say the reasonable thing to do would be to communicate and to go back to the person that said, I know I committed to sending you that broadcast by five o'clock today, but I've run into some technical difficulties and it looks like it might not be until next Wednesday. Is that okay? So I've simply renegotiated the agreement. So point number three in your accountability standard basically says that if somebody needs to renegotiate an agreement that they've made, it's okay to do that. They just have to do it in sufficient time ahead of time and so that a manager or an owner can make an adjustment. So if I need a report done by Friday at five o'clock and the team member says, you know what, I've got a problem. I won't be able to get it till Monday at five o'clock, but I absolutely have to have it done by five on Friday. I might say, well, what do we need to do to get off your plate so we can get that report or at least I can redelegate it to somebody else. But hopefully it'll be like Wednesday or Thursday that they let me know that they have a problem with that report. Okay. Number four, tracking delegation. One of the things that a lot of businesses do is what I call drive-by delegation. Drive-by delegation is I walk in and I say, hey, I need you to do something. And I ask them to do it so quickly that I don't give them a deadline. I don't give them a time frame. They don't even have a chance to say yes or no, whether or not they agree to it. And then I forget that I ask them to do it. So within a system, it's often implied. So as I used an example before with the realtor, the realtor delegated the system to the agent and the agent said, I will follow that system. And then that agent signed off on what we call a training and tracking report. And that training and tracking report basically says they've been trained on this and they've agreed to it. But if I have a special project or an assignment, I might need to track it like using Outlook, Task Manager, or a Google Task Manager, or some type of way to keep up with tasks that have been assigned. I had a gal working for me a number of years ago as an admin assistant and her office was literally right across the hall from me. I I could have very easily shouted across, hey, Aaron, I need you to do this for me. Instead of doing that, I would send her a quick task through our Outlook and she would receive it and also be able to agree to that task based on that receiving of that assignment. And so we had a record of it. And it was just for one-off or project-based tasks. Number five, we have to trust that people are going to follow through. So the worst thing that could happen is something that my wife does to me periodically. She'll say, hey, can you take these checks and make a deposit by the end of the day today? And I'll say, absolutely. Now, the thing that bothers me is when she calls me at noon and says, hey, did you make those deposits today? See, that bothers me because that feels like micromanagement. I don't know about you, Dave, if you have those kind of issues at home, but a lot of people are kind of chuckle when they hear that. But, you know, she'll, she'll call me at noon. Did you make that deposit? No, I told you I'd make it by the end of the day. So we don't want to be checking in with people unless we establish up front what we call a reporting loop. And the reporting loop basically says that on project-based assignments, there will be a, a point once a week where we will check in just to see 
if there's any bottlenecks or any issues that have come up that might be delaying the project or the work itself. But we don't want to be checking in with people to see if they did stuff. We're going to trust that they're going to follow through. Why? Because they said they were going to. Now, finally, we have to have an environment where there are some consequences for noncompliance. And one of the things that I ask my clients is this. If you have a systems-driven environment and you've got an environment that you created where every single person in your business can be successful as a result of the systems you put in place, and you've established an environment where people understand that their word is their bond, so to speak, that when they say they're going to do something, it's expected that they're going to follow through. If you have that environment and yet you have an individual that you delegate a task to, and doesn't complete it without notifying you in advance that they can't complete it. So in other words, I asked Dave, hey, Dave, can you get this thing to me by 5 o'clock? And he said, Dave, no problem, I'll have it to you. 5 o'clock rolls along, next day comes along, it's not done. I contact Dave and say, hey, Dave, what happened? You know, why didn't you get, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot. All right, Dave, I'm going to remember that. Got a little twinge of distrust going here, but we're going to, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. So then next time around, I say to Dave, hey, Dave, you know, next week, can you do this this for me? And he says, absolutely, I have it done by Friday at 5 o'clock, and Dave doesn't do it again. Doesn't notify me. How many times do you want to have a situation where you have people continuing to let you and everybody else down in the business? Because remember, every action in your business is going to have some impact on other aspects of the business if people don't do their work as they agree to. And this is really, you know, sort of like the difference between, you know, the number 100 golfer in the world and the number one golfer in the world is not a massive difference. It's a half a stroke per round. The difference between a, being a good company and a great company is often the very little things that you do. And this is one of those things when you create an environment of accountability and trust where everybody is following through what they say they're going to do. And if they can't, they ask for an exception and they renegotiate. There's at least that communication going then you can have this amazing high-performance business that I know all of you are striving for. The question is going to be is how many times will you let somebody let you down before you finally say, see ya, or it's what we use here in the Southwest, Arizona, Austin, La Vista, maybe. So a lot of my companies will say, you know, we'll give people four instances a year, which seems very reasonable because it's really not a difficult standard to honor. It's not a difficult standard to honor. All we're really asking people to do is very simply this. If you make a commitment to do something, we expect you to do it. If you can't follow through, just let us know in advance. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward. So that's the mechanics of the accountability standard. So what are the action steps? Well, number one, you begin to start a conversation with your team regarding trust, in each other and accountability and starting to foster that environment where we all have to count on each other in order for the business to really succeed. And what happens when the business succeeds? We all succeed. We keep the discussion going in appropriate venues and forums until it becomes part of your culture. This is not going to happen overnight, folks. And some of the best things that you can do in your business rarely happen overnight. And so as business leaders and managers in your businesses, I'm going to encourage you to keep talking about this until everybody in your business understands it and begins to honor it. 
Number three, document and share your commitment standard or your accountability standard with your team. And as I suggested earlier, we're going to actually be providing you a sample, which you can go through, do some fine tuning. We'll actually even notate in the system itself things that you need to decide for your particular business. And then, but you're free to change the wording throughout the document. Most of our clients find that, you know, other than making some very specific changes like, you know, how we're going to track delegation and where those are going to go and how many instances of non-compliance we're going to allow for. But most of our clients just adopt the system that we give you. So you're going to be getting that part of participating in this program in the summit. Then gain agreement from all of your team members. And what we're basically asking you to do is this. We're asking you to go to your team members and say, we have the standard. Will you honor it? Does that make sense? And will you live by that? Because implementing that then covers everything else. It covers every system. It covers every delegation. It covers every policy. When people say, when somebody asks me to do something and I take ownership of it, then you can count on me to follow through 100% of the time. Finally, train your managers on how to delegate and track assignments and monitor uh, compliance. If you have a management structure and people, they need to know how to do that how to delegate properly, and how to track the assignments you know, that are given to people, and also how to handle situations where non-compliance has uh, happened. So, Dave, I've covered a ton of information. I don't know if you have any questions that you think would be useful for the group for follow-up. Did I cover anything too quickly? Anything I need to provide any clarification on before we wrap this thing up? Some of the sessions I have needed to jump in a little bit more for clarification or questions, but it was really clearly articulated. And I think the the documented uh, commitment standard, when they actually see that, that'll kind of just be the icing on the cake where it'll kind of pull everything that you've said together and something that they can then deploy in their own business. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll leave it to you uh, awesome. to do that. Awesome. Uh, Good. Over. Good. You know, there, there's sometimes it's, it's a good thing when people don't have any questions. I've always often had people say, you know, it was so thorough. We didn't have any questions. So, but I, I always like to check in because I don't want to leave anybody hanging there. So, by the way, did it all make sense? Yes. With all of your background and systems and, and development. Yep. I mean, this is a critical part. of um, This is, yeah, it's the, um, the glue effectively that ties it all together because there's no point in having or, or sticks it all together. There's no point in having the systems and the process unless people are going to commit to implementing it. So I think this particular standard as well would make really perfect sense. If you're trying to implement this, you would introduce it to the team and get them all to commit to it. And then more importantly as well, when new team members come on board, for them to heavily be trained on it as this is just the way we do things here. And and if if this doesn't gel with you, then you're not going to be a right fit. And that's how you kind of integrate it into culture. I think I always find the hardest bit is for existing businesses that haven't been built on systems to introduce systems to get the team to follow it. So the more you get the buy-in, the more they're involved in the creating of the systems, the more that they agree to standards like this, um, going through the exercise of discovering the company's values and doing that together, that's when you'll get more of a, a buy-in and commitment from the team. Absolutely. Well, good tag team. I appreciate that. That You just build in a lot of really good gaps there. So I don't know very many people that have an understanding of systems and development like you do. You've been down the road and so you understand how important this is. So there may be some of you out there today that are you know, hearing this and you're thinking, man, I'd like to meet this guy and have a conversation with him. There's there's a bunch of different ways we can connect. You can shoot me an email at Eden at Level 7 Development and just say, hey, I heard you on the summit. Love to talk to you. You can also go to my website. I have a, cal- a link on there to actually set up a time for us to talk, uh, to do a free Level 7 assessment 
and readiness call. We can do it through telephone or Skype. And sometimes you might be wondering, well, you know, what, first of all, what is Level 7? I can share a little bit more about that. You can find that information on my website and also on the Level 7 Systems website. But if you want to find out whether or not, you know, some of the things we've talked about and if your business is re- really ready to develop systems and what kind of support you might need beyond what we've talked about today, you can reach me uh, through my website. We can set up a time to do a quick talk, no cost or obligation to that. I'm, I love to talk to people and share what we're doing. Like I said, you can go to the Level 7 Systems site, download our ebook, and check out some of the programs that we have available. You can also connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. If you just type in Eden Sunshine in Google, usually my name comes up in the, on that first homepage. There's, I think there's a resort or something that might show up too, but uh, you should be able to find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. As a special bonus for attending my session today, I guess anybody that did the upgrade, right, Dave? We're going to make available to them a special report that I put together, the nine critical business systems. And sometimes we think of you know marketing being the critical system or finance. When you see this special report that I put together, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to go, oh my gosh, if we have these systems in place, everything else is going to fall in place. And one of the systems that we talked about is the system for how you're going to take a business that doesn't have systems and create systems and become systems driven. And we talk further about how to facilitate accountability and how to create a culture, a threat of culture. So we talk about the very specific system. It's not the type of systems that you think. It's not the typical, oh, marketing, sales, blah, blah, blah. This is a much higher level, much more practical approach. Finally, I shared this with Dave when we first started talking. I've been doing uh, level seven implementation. We've been working with clients for over 17 years. And I've just begun to, at the encouragement of a lot of people over the years, but more so just recently, put together a self-paced level seven implementation program, which is essentially every piece of content that we use when we work with our clients one-on-one and helping them implement this amazing program. And and Dave's mentioned Calvin Cummings, one of our clients that we work one-on-one with. And he's an information marketing junkie and a content junkie. And he said to me, and I was very proud when he told me this, he said, of all of the materials that he's ever seen created like this, that the level seven materials is by far some of the most rich in content, practical, thorough program that he's ever seen. I'm a systems guy. So everything we offer in that is a very step-by-step implementable. It's not just concepts and theories and fluff. It's it's templates and it's systems and this is how you do these specific things, agendas, all this kind of stuff. This program hasn't released yet. And by the time you see this simulcast, we will just be getting ready to release it. I set up up a special page just for this group to get to. It's level7systems.com forward slash special release. If you go there and sign up as an early release, it doesn't mean you're buying the product. It just means that you have access to purchasing the product at 50% off the regular price when we release it. Obviously, have a chance to take a look at what it is and see if it's something that's really for you, or maybe you need one-on-one support. But if you do that, you'll at least be on our list of our early birds who will get 50% off. And by the way, since we're dealing with small businesses, it's going to be incredibly affordable, probably surprising to you how affordable it is. So just wanted to leave you with that and I encourage you to go to there. I'm sure if they're watching the video, they can slow it down and they can catch this information later. So We'll put all the links. People will be able to jump through to grab some of those downloads, the sample standard, the the report, 
there'll be a few things there they'll be able to do direct links through to you into the offer as well yeah last thing i want to say well thank you again dave for having me a part of this and and to those that are listening i want to encourage you to go build something great there's no mistake there's no coincidence to you being where you are today and perhaps even being part of the summit and getting the information that you're having to really do something extraordinary. I've never met a business owner that didn't really want to do something great. And you deserve it, and you should do it. And don't don't discount. There's no reason to be just good or mediocre. Uh, go for it. Take the content that you've heard today and the other summit speakers, and I'm sure there's so much stuff in there that's going to help you really be great. But I'm going to challenge you. Don't settle for anything less than great your business and your life can be far greater than you could possibly imagine. And maybe someday we'll actually be able to work on that together if I'm lucky enough to be able to support you. So, good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that, Aiden. Yeah, very generous. All the details will be beneath. And, um, yeah, I think this will fit really well, particularly within our management section. I just think this is a critical piece that ties it all together. So we'll leave it there for now, and thank you again for your time. My pleasure just been listening to the system hub podcast remember we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now